Hi, and welcome back to Students of the Word. This is episode number three, in which we discuss verse two of First John chapter one. We got through the whole verse. I was pretty excited. Um, where we learn a lot about the life, where he, you know, he adds on to the, you know, he stops at word of life, and then does this parenthetical thing. Uh, and we talk, but of course, in the parenthetical thing, he's not talking about the word. He's talking about the life, and we learn a lot, a lot about the life. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this discussion. I learned a lot this week, and I hope that you. You will too. Welcome back, everybody. This is session number three of Students of the Word, as we uh, uh, hope today, um, I think with a steadfast hope, uh, to get to verse two of chapter one of First John. Um, I wanted to just give you guys one update. Uh, so I have the podcast feed um, that I created last week. So la- I've been kind of doing this in stages, you know, when I when I could. I announced last week that I had the YouTube channel and the podcast open so people could uh, watch or listen after the fact, um, which a-, a bunch of people had requested. So I have those running. I've actually pushed the podcast to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That should those should be up soon, I think there in those places. I haven't yet myself seen confirmation of that. Um, but, um, but anyway, I just uh, I wanted to let you know that I did that. The other thing that I did, um, which is the thing I wanted to most kind of focus on here at the very start, um, was um, uh, to... Um, uh, to to start a discussion board. So we discussed this last time. And so I have, in fact, uh, set this up. So what I'm going to do is uh, uh, I've created a I've created a Slack instance. Where did it go? Here it is. OK, so let me let me show you. Or here's our Slack instance uh, for students of the word uh, Slack work, workspace that I'm going to invite you all to. And here it comes. Ready? And I'm going to invite you to it. There's the link. OK, so just sent the link to everybody who's here live in the session. Um, one of the challenging, I can't post a link uh, to this. If I post this invite link publicly, then we're going to get like, um, you know, Russian porn bots and stuff. So I can't really do that. Um, but what I will do for everybody who's um, who's listening, asynchronous, watching or listening asynchronously, um, feel free just to send me an email. Um, all right. Hey, nice. Like I could see people popping in live here uh, uh, to the thing. There we go. You can see folks joining. Good to see that it's working. Don't have to confirm it. Um, so let me just briefly explain how the Slack works here. Um, so if you've never used Slack before, you've got direct messages down here. You can see people uh, individually and you can send them private messages if you want to. Um, but what I'm kind of mostly focused on are the channels up here. I have an announcements channel where I'm going to be um, doing... Um, I'm going to be doing uh, uh, like po- posting, you know, that's where I'll post like if I can't meet next week or something like that. Um, because P.S. I can't meet next week. <laughs> it's funny that I should mention that. Uh, but anyway, because yeah, I'm going to be away with my family next week. But um, I have a, a number of, of kind of uh, category um place where we can have different conversations. So there's uh, further questions. Uh, I created a further questions channel, which is just like stuff that either maybe you brought it up and I didn't see it uh, in our, in our uh, uh, chat. Um, Maybe there's just like something you've been thinking about since then that you're like, Oh, Hey, I had this other thought about verse one or whatever. You could add that here. I have a Greek, a Greek geekery, um, uh, uh, channel for uh, linguistic stuff for people who want to kind of dig deeper into the uh, into the, the language side of things. Um, uh, so that's really useful. I have a sharing and reflection uh, one for people who just uh, just for because this is a, it's all about 
as we will see soon, maybe not this week, uh, but uh, maybe in session four, if we get so far as verse three in session four, um, that it's all about it's all about unity. It's all about community, right? So I created two channels, um, which are designed just more for community sharing and reflection for people to, because this is not just an academic study, right? You know, this is for us also to be reflecting on our own lives and sharing with each other and supporting each other as we begin to, uh, you know, move forward in making these things a reality in our own lives. So there's the sharing and reflection chapter and the prayer chapter uh, for similar reasons. Um, And you can share prayer requests there, not just because you need prayer, but because uh, uh, we need to pray for you as well. So, uh, and then there there is a random channel, which is just for, uh, you know, I, as I said in my description, if you've been nobly restraining yourself from making side comments and telling loosely relevant anecdotes during study sessions, this is a good place for them. Um, so that's how the the Slack works. You can kind of tag people. You can go, you guys will, you'll probably figure it out. Uh, so I set that up, as I say, if you want, if you're watching or listening asynchronously and you want to be involved in our Slack discussion board here, um, then uh, I will... Um, uh, you send me an email, Corey underscore Olson at students of the word.org. Uh, and I will send you the invite. All right. Uh, thanks everybody. Um, I will, I will set this aside. So I don't want you guys to have to be, if you are chatting on the Slack and you can, I'm not going to be offended if you're slatting in check uh, on in Slack. That's why I said check, right. Which is like chat and Slack combined. Um, uh, you can, uh, this all that also does provide you a way that you can interact with each other during class. I said at the beginning, um, the chat that I have here in our Zoom session itself is um, um, uh, is j- oh right okay well that would have been handy all right well anyway you guys can see it yeah sorry pointing out I'm not even sharing my screen on the Zoom that's very useful isn't it. Oh, well. Anyway, the people on the video will see what I was pointing to. And those of you who are here live can get in it yourself. So like, it's all good, right? Um, well, anyway, you'll, you've heard me tell about it. So, so that's something, isn't it? Anyhow, um, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, uh, what I was saying was you guys are able to uh, talk to each other in, in Slack live during the session if you want to, uh, so that you have that uh, you have that opportunity and create a separate channel for that if we want to. But uh, I don't know how fancy we wanted to get uh, with those things. So anyway, um, let us jump back into the text here. Um, so. We got as far as verse one, but before we move on from verse one, I want to go back because uh, Mark Steenbrink sent me an email, which was, and he was pointing out a thing uh, that I was slurring over. And I was like vaguely aware of slurring this over. Um, I kind of put it in my like, oh, wait, yeah, I should come back to that. But then I never did come back to it. So I'm really glad that he sent me this email. And that is, we were talking as if the noun clauses in verse one are all even, like they're all parallel right? And they're not parallel. There's, there's, there's a difference, right? We have that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with, the eye, with our eyes, that which we have gazed upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The, you see where the parallelism stops, and that's with the, hand, the, the hand's hand. We don't get that which we have seen, that which we have gazed upon, that which our hands have handled, 
right? That so the 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 business about the hands handling is not presented as like a, a noun clause on syntactically equal footing with the rest of them, right? Instead, we get the chi here, a conjunction. We get ant, right? That which we have gazed upon and our hands have handled. That's a compound noun clause there, right? Um, so we've so we have the we have our our first that which that which was from the beginning, um, and then we have the sensory that which is right that which we have heard that which we have seen uh, that which we have looked upon um, uh, or gazed upon, and our hands have handled. So um, the in, in kind of practice. So first of all, I want to I want to emphasize. I'm like hearing. Slack notifications, which is reminding me, note to self, turn off my audio Slack notifications, uh, which I forget, neglected to do before uh, class here. Um, don't forget that if you do, I'm not going to be tracking that. Um, I'm going to be tracking the Zoom chat during the session. So if there's a contribution that you want to make that you want me to see uh, and you know to be incorporated here, uh, make sure to use the Zoom chat for that. Just wanted to point that out. Um, anyway, okay. So we have... Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, sorry. Let me, uh, I see. There we go. Just going to paste it in one more time for latecomers. There we go. Um, it's hard for me not to excuse latecomers. Right. Um, so, uh, there we go. Anyway. So what's the effect of this? What's the effect of that conjunction there? Why is it having set up this structure Right of these parallel noun clauses, which he's you know he's repeated and repeated and repeated. We've gotten it already. Uh, what was it four times? The beginning, heard, seen, yes, uh, and gazed upon. So we've gotten it four times, and instead of doing it a fifth time, he makes that fifth thing. What our hands have handled, um, he he breaks the pattern and combines that with that which we have gazed upon. And I cannot help but think that. This choice, uh, this choice seems to, I mean, the, the most logical conclusion I can, uh, I can come to about that choice um, is that he seems to be connecting those last two items in a different way um, than he's connecting the other items on the list. Unless somebody can tell me that this is just kind of a, a sort of a Greek convention um, that I don't know about, right? I mean, unless this is just kind of how they do it in Greek, where if you would have a parallel series of causes like that, you wouldn't use the relative pronoun the last time and you would just use and and it would be implied or something. So, I mean, unless unless it's that kind of a linguistic convention um, that it is really saying, no, 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 this is really all the same. I just not, I'm not bothering with the whole this time because, you know, it's the last item in the list. Um, but um but I, but I, I I need a little convincing. It sounds certainly uh, like what we're getting here is these last two items connected together, that which we have gazed upon and which our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Um, and the interesting thing, um, the interesting thing to me is that uh, yeah, Randall says uh, generally in Greek parallel constructions are very important in conveying parallel thoughts. Yeah, Randall, and that's the impression I'm getting here, right? I mean, he's been uh, 
we have this elaborate parallelism. I mean, four times already he's used the same construction. I don't think he's going to be like, ah, oh, let's mix it up a little bit at the end, right? You know, throw a curveball. It's, I'm getting tired of all those halls, right? Let's do something else. Um, I think, I think that there's, I, again, I, I I think it's different. I think that it suggests that the, those two things are a compound thing. That there is a sense in which that which we that like we have gazed upon and we and our hands have handled is he's suggesting that that's a compound thought, right? That those two things together are what is parallel to our having heard, our having seen with our eyes, right? Um, and uh, yeah, so Serena, I do agree that that, that would the, the the thing that they seem to have in common apart from the conjunction, right? The thing that they seem to have in common is this greater, greater intimacy. We were looking at how the whole series um, seemed to be tending in the direction of, of uh, a more intimate connection, right? I've heard, I've seen possibly from a distance or just like glanced at or what, you know, like I might, you know, seen with the eyes could mean so many things, right? And there are so many circumstances which you can say, oh yeah, I've seen that, right? Right. But like, did you really pay attention? Right? Did you get a really good look at it? Right? We don't. Really, we don't. Really, but then he clarifies. Right? That which way I've gazed upon, which I have looked at. Um, uh, you know, Tom uh, was talking last week about how the the Greek word there um, that uh, the the we have gazed upon verb, ephiasametha, um, sametha, stress on the sum, right? Um, is uh, is used for like like in theaters, right? People who are like gazing upon the stage, right? Uh, like watching with attention, um, and then touching finally, right? Uh, handling with your hands, um, and um, so that those last two steps should be joined together, I think is really interesting, right? What it suggests is is it, it's not there's not necessarily another step there, right? Like first I heard. Then I saw, then I looked upon. Remember, we were talking about the parallels, um, you know, how, how in, in, there are ways in which this maps onto uh, the discovery of Jesus in the gospel context, both at the beginning, right? Uh, especially in, in John chapter one, uh, when we get those, you know, those scenes of the disciples first meeting them and telling people about him. And then the discoveries of the empty tomb uh, and the encounters with the resurrected Jesus at the end of the gospels. Um, and I really like those kind of general parallels. And that seems to me really interesting. Um, but again, that, that, that chi, that conjunction there, the breaking of the, of the parallel structure suggests that those two things, the gazing upon and the um and the handling and the touching with the hands um seem to be i don't know like part of the same thing right um more deeply connected in some ways let's uh let's see how this is handled actually i want to i want to i want to i want to look through um notice that uh the new american standard represents does the breaking of the parallel, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, right? So we get that, um, uh, again, pretty pretty faithfully and directly represented in the NASB. Um, I'll come back to the word list in a minute. Let's see, how does, uh, how does King James do it? Um, interestingly, so uh, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Um, the commas suggest the continuation of the parallel, right? But it doesn't have the which, 
So it, it, it does that. How about the NIV? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. Yep, good. They do it too. They do it too. Um, this we proclaim. Okay. Uh, we declare to you what was from the beginning. So this is the NRSV, the Catholic edition. Uh, we declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands. Yeah, so you see almost every uh, translation seems to agree that that break in the syntax is important. Right? And then we've got the CEV, which does it in poetry and takes out the poetry. Um, our ears have heard, our eyes have seen and our hands have touched. Golly, see what they're doing there? See how they've combined the seeing? Our ears have heard, our eyes have seen, and our hands have touched. They're presenting those three things as if they're all equal, right? Um, And they're only giving the eyes once. We don't get that difference between we've seen with our eyes and we have gazed upon, right? It's just totally removed there. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, the message is the same thing. We heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. Um, so interestingly, what both of those two much less direct, much less word-for-word translations do, um, they do the two things, notice, right? Both of them simplify the eyes, right? But they also both um, uh, uh, perfect the parallelism, right? They don't do uh, the um, uh, the the break, the break in the, in the, in the parallelism there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Randall, I agree. Something is lost. Now, again, I, I'm not trying to, I know it's going to probably on many, many occasions sound like I'm just bashing. I am not trying to like hold the contemporary English version up to ridicule or the message. Like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to like diss the work that the people did or to insult anybody who reads and enjoys those translations. Um, it's not at all the point something is lost, Randall. I I mean, I I definitely think that something is lost. Um, Now, people would argue that something is gained. Um, It's easier to understand um, and that there are going to be people who are going to read that and are going to take things from it that if they read the more, you know, exactly accurate version, they would take much less from it. Very likely true. I'm not trying to, like, judge that. Um, And I'm perfectly willing to believe that that might be the case. It's kind of like, it's not for me. It's frustrating to me. Um, as I, 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 always, I always get frustrated by translations that kind of get themselves in the way. Like I, what I'm always looking for in a translation is as, as much of a, an experience of the original text as I, as pure an, origi- an experience of the original text as I can get. And that's true in any case. And I, I think it's, um, uh, it's important here. And I agree, Randall, this is, it is always the kind of compromise that translators have to make. Again, no, no criticism, no insult intended at all. Um, but we, I just, we can see, um, we can see, we can see kind of what's happening there. And I'm, again, I'm not going to be using the CEV and stuff to, uh, it just is like a negative example. <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm confessing all this because I fear it might sound like that. And I want to, I want to, I want to not do that. Um, there are ways in which like, I'm going to be looking at the, in some because I'm going to be interested to see like, how did they interpret it? Right. Um, we are getting a little more interpretation there. Um, but um, uh, anyway. Okay. Um, so uh so yeah, yeah. All right. Um, the 
So a little bit more going back to the, uh, the, that, that and there and touched with our hands. Um, I feel more confident now having looked at the other translations um, that again, almost all of the translations that are not doing that very heavy interpretation agree that this is a significant change. Um, uh, So that's, that builds my confidence as somebody who doesn't know enough Greek to know whether I'm, you know, because you always have to be a little careful when you don't know the language and you don't know the syntax and you don't know how these structures work or what these structures tend to mean. Syntactical structures, I mean, in the language. Um, uh, it's easy to just kind of make mistakes or make assumptions. Um, but I feel more confident now that, that, that this is meaningful, right? That this is definitely a meaningful change, uh, change in pattern uh, that John has made here. Um, I wonder if he's suggesting, because it does seem like thinking about, as we were saying, kind of like steps of intimacy or steps of closeness, it does not seem to me that the step between looked at and touched with our hands or gazed upon and touched with our hands is a lesser step than, you know, seen and gazed upon. Um, you know, we talked about that gap. I think it's an important, it's the difference between like, it has come into your field of vision and you are looking at it, you are watching it, you know, you are studying it with your eyes. Like that's a significant uh, uh, gap, a, a significant step. But it's, I, 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 you know, one way and one reason to combine these two is like, if they're kind of equivalent, right? Um, you know, you take one step and then one step and then another step to get to these two places at once pretty much, right? That would be one reason to do this kind of, um, this kind of structural break that he's done, right? But I, I don't think that's what we see here. Um, gazing at something and touching with your hands, like that's, that's, I mean, ask an actor. There's a big difference between people gazing upon you and people touching you with their hands, right? I'm pretty sure most actors would agree that there's a pretty big step. There's, a, there's kind of a line there uh, that's being crossed. Um, so, uh, uh yeah yeah um yeah and um now i agree serena that the 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 physicality of the word is clearly important and we're gonna see john coming back to this at many points later on in the epistle um that jesus was manifested physically uh is clearly uh something is 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 a point of emphasis i don't Myself, I don't, this is one of the reasons, by the way, I'm a little resistant to going too far in the Gnosticism direction. That is, a lot of people talk about how, you know, this letter is written against, you know, Gnostic heresies and stuff, you know, who were saying that, uh, you know, Jesus was not like a, a, a true, you know, human physical manifestation, you know, fleshly manifestation was like a spiritual manifestation or whatever. Um, anyway, Here's one of the reasons I'm resistant to that. Because again, it's like I said at the, in the very first class, when you're looking for something, you'll find it, right? And uh, if you say, if you come into this with this in your head, right? If you're just like, okay, um, is this, is he opposing the Gnostics or not? Well, yeah, you'll find evidence for that. Now, you'd find evidence if you were looking for a whole bunch of other things too, but you'll definitely find evidence for that. He's definitely is for, from word verse one, um, emphasizing the physicality of Jesus. Um but honestly, from my reading of First John, I'm not even convinced it's the, I wouldn't even put it in the top three things he's most interested in, in this epistle. Um, uh, as far as like what he emphasizes, like how much time he spends focusing on things, it's, a, it's, it's an issue. But if I didn't know 
Like if somebody hadn't told me, you know, there was a problem with, you know, with uh, Gnosticism and, you know, the churches John was writing to, if nobody had told me that, um, I would, I, I don't think from the text of this epistle itself, I would have been able to tell that that was the number one issue that he was focusing on. Which leads me to think maybe it's not the number one issue that he's focusing on. Again, I'm not saying it's not an issue. I'm not saying it's not relevant. Um, but this is what this is just. I use that as an example of how I think often our readings can get skewed if we're not careful, right? Okay. But anyway, so what we looked at and touched with our hands. Um, why is it exactly that he's? Um, uh, yeah. Now let's see. Matthew says there's a. The, um, there is a, a sense in which touch with our hands is the only part that requires incarnation. Yes. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Matthew says the other, uh, the other things could all have been said um, by the Jews at Mount Sinai, for instance, we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. It could. Um, the touching with our hands is really important. Um, it does stand out in that way. Going back to what I was saying before about crossing lines, you know, or taking steps of intimacy, I wouldn't only say that the step between gazed upon, looked at, and touched with our hands is, I wouldn't only say that that step is as big as the other ones. I'm not sure it isn't bigger. You know, I think that the step that when you're between hearing and seeing, between seeing and gazing upon, those are steps. Definite steps. But I think those are smaller steps than the step between looked at and touched with our hands. So why is it then that he, syntactically speaking, and I should make sure I'm explaining, I'm using that word a lot, syntax and syntactically. Um, All I mean by that is the way the sentence is structured, the way the idea is structured in a sentence, right? So um, you're your syntax is like how you go about explaining things, right? The grammar, it, like, so when we were talking about the genitive case last time, you know, uh, um, you know uh, of the word of life, right? We were talking about the genitives there and of the word of life um, and how that phrase works. That's a grammar issue, right? Um, uh, a syntax issue is how you structure the whole, uh, the whole thing. Um, and... Um, yeah, yeah. Now, see, Devorah, I can see that point. Devorah says, I can think of a lot of people I'd shake hands with that I wouldn't want staring at me. Yes, I can see that. I can see that. Um, uh, but I'm not sure. I mean, and it's not that shaking hands isn't an example. I mean, it would fit into the category of touching with our hands, right? But um, let's... Um, Can anyone tell me anything about this word? Epsilophasian? Epsilophasian? Epsilophism. Don't I keep missing the accents? Um, Epsilophism. Handled. Handled. Um, Like, where do we... I'm clicking on links now, which is always dangerous. Okay, so we get... Oh, that's it. Huh? Doesn't... That form doesn't appear anywhere else. Huh. Okay. Uh, hang on. Let me click on the number. What do we get from the number? Uh, what do we get? Um, 
to feel or grope about. Get the lexicon entry. Anywhere else where we can see, where do we get it? Okay, touch me and see. When Jesus says, touch me and see, he's using that verb. Um, Acts 17. Perhaps they might grope for him and find. Acts 17. Right, Paul and the Areopagus, huh? For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, says the author of Hebrews. Okay, so it's not a common word. But even just that one, handle me and see, touch me and see, um, from Luke, suggests to me, Devor, that this is not a handshaking kind of verb, you know? Um, yeah, Brian, exactly. It, that's exactly what you were suggesting there. Touching with our hands suggests a higher level of proof uh, than seeing or hearing. Yeah, yeah. And proof is the expl- explicitly the context of Jesus's use of that verb, right? Um, yeah, Randall says in some places to examine by touching uh, is implied. It certainly does in the Luke case, right? Um, yeah, yeah. In which our hands have handled. Um, and of course, that fits into the context of, you know, as we were saying, one of the, what seems to be one of the clear senses of these uh, noun, of the, 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 what I was calling the middle of verse one, right? We've got that which was from the beginning um, and concerning the word of life at the end. And then we've got all the, the, the sensory stuff in the middle, right? And one of the plain senses of, the, of the, those sensory clauses and references in the beginning is as evidence, right? Um, uh, that which was from the beginning of the word of life. And what about it? Um, we've heard it. We've seen it. We've looked upon it. We've handled it. Uh, with our hands, right? We know, we know what we're talking about. And we talked about the we last time as well. Um, Yeah, Tom says it's also used of medical examination. Great. Okay, so it does tend to have that kind of uh, quasi-forensic sense to it, right? So this is not just a like I bumped up against him in the hall, right? Um, uh, Or even, I think, shook hands, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, Serena, I, I was thinking of exactly the same thing um, uh, in Sir Thomas Mallory. Whenever a knight is wounded and uh, uh, somebody comes and searches his wounds, uh, that's the phrase that Mallory uses uh, about medical examination. That's exactly. Yeah. I bet you um, uh, if they were translating Mallory into Greek, they would use this verb uh, to describe that. I bet you. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, definitely not a, um, and so therefore fittingly paired with looking upon. And so as I think it was, uh, Elizabeth, sorry, it's gone downstream a little bit. Yes. Um, as, uh, uh, Elizabeth was saying, gazed upon and touched with our hands does seem to be, they, both of them, they're joined together by the conjunction, right? And they do seem to be in kind of a different class than the others, right? Heard and seen with your, anybody can hear. Right. Just because you hear doesn't mean you're listening. Just because you see doesn't mean you're really looking at it and paying attention. Right. Um, So the two things which definitely involve the will. Right. The will of the observer. Um, I didn't just see. I looked at it. Right. I gazed upon it. I watched it carefully. And P.S. I touched it with my hands. Right. Um, Those two things 
Um, those two things, which are the strongest for evidence, but also the most personal and intimate contact, right? So in as much as what he's doing here is establishing evidence, right? Um, I, I, you know, about that, that which was from the beginning concerning the word of life. Um, he's asserting some authority there. This has been tested in ver- I've tested this. We've tested this, sorry, in various ways, right? Um, but also that closeness, right? Um, I know it, right? I've not just seen it from a distance. Um, I really, I really know it. Um, yeah, yeah. And Serena, you're very right to recall that. Um, what is all of this stuff about? What are all these known causes leading up to? Not the word. Word of life stuff. Remember, like we said last time, right? It is not the word. Syntactically speaking, right? What this sentence is saying is not, I have heard and seen and gazed upon and handled the word of life. He doesn't say that. I'm not saying he wouldn't say that, right? I'm not saying it isn't true. I'm just saying that's not what he's saying. It's the stuff about the word of life, right? That petty uh, preposition there, right? Around the word of life, the word of life stuff. It's the word of life stuff that we have heard, seen. That's the stuff that was from the beginning. And that's the stuff that we have heard and seen and gazed upon in touch with our hands. Right. So that's, that is very important to remember. It's very important to remember. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know, uh, I'm not trying to reduce his claims. That's not what he's emphasizing. Right. So again, although I do think that evidence that like evidentiary, like that forensic stuff, right. Um, you know, legal testimony kind of stuff is, is relevant here. And there is, I think clearly one of the functions of these clauses is establishing, you know, his bona fides, right. I know what I'm talking about. We know what we're talking about. Um, But I don't think that's the primary sense. Um, I don't think that's the primary sense. I think that's a side effect, essentially. It's one of the senses, but I don't think it's the primary sense. Um, And I don't think we yet know exactly what the primary sense is because we're not even through the sentence yet. Um, But but the joining together of the looking at and the touching, Elizabeth, I keep coming back to the point that you're making. That is what joins that, like conceptually, we, we can see what syntactically joins them together. It's the conjunction, right? Uh, the fact that there is a conjunction instead of just another parallel clause. But conceptually, what joins them together is the will and attention of the we, right? Um, we have looked at and touched with our hands. Um, in a sense, if we think about, okay, so what are the things being placed in parallel by this parallel structure, right? The things that are being placed in parallel are us hearing, us seeing, and us experiencing intimately with attention, right? Intimately and personally with attention. Um, And that last one is done in a compound phrase, right? Gazed upon and touched with our hands, handled with our hands. Um, uh, and I believe, yeah, the King James has handled, which, and our hands have handled. I was pretty sure that that's what it had. That's the one I memorized. So I'm pretty sure. Um, and 
Not going to lie. Kind of like that one better. I like handled better than touched uh, because t- touched. I mean, you, you, t- you touch people, uh, you touch people in a crowd. By the way, what's the word that Jesus, can somebody look it up for me? When, uh, when Jesus says she touched me, like when he's going through, when, and remember when the, the, the apostles are like, you're the, the multitude throng you and, and you're asking who touched you. What's the verb? That was the touched verb there. It's not this one. I know it's not this one because we just looked it up in the concordance and it's not there. Okay. Maybe I don't need to know that, but I'm curious, right? Because that's, 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 that, that's a really interesting point, right? Um, uh, interesting that he doesn't use that verb there um and i'm wondering are there different ver- never mind never mind doesn't matter that's a that's a rabbit hole i probably shouldn't go down that rabbit hole um but um anyway handled i think handled is is uh uh, uh seems to kind of get at it a little bit better here um exactly save it for the greek geekery channel that's just exactly the kind of thing that should be in the greek geekery channel um Okay. Yeah. Um, Aiden is suggesting something like what we have put our hands to. And that's really interesting, Aiden. I mean, I'm not sure if we can quite give it that force. I'm not sure if John's giving it quite that force. Um, put our hands to, of course, suggests very actively the will, right? Um, uh, I wonder, Aiden, maybe laid our hands upon. I, I guess It's not what he says, right? But um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, Yes. Yes. Oh, interesting. Uh, Wes is thinking about communion, uh, 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 you know, uh, communion food there. Yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think we'll keep thinking about that that joining of the looking at and the touching um, and the way that the will is involved there about the word of life stuff. But Hey, I have an idea. Let's talk about verse two. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. Okay. What do you notice? What do you notice? What things jump out at you in this verse, especially after what we've seen in verse one, right? Um, by the way, so the, here's the thing I was going to say about verse two last time, but I stopped myself because it was a digression. Um, I think that John signals pretty clearly that this is parenthetical. Verse two, right? The new the NASB puts it in dashes, right? Um, sets it apart in dashes. The King James puts it literally in parentheses. Let's see. The NIV gives a dash and then they break the sentence up. No, wait, sorry. That's the wrong place. No, they ha- they just make it a different sentence, right? Which is cheating. You're cheating, NIV. You can't take this long, glorious, massively complicated sentence and turn it into simple, easy to understand sentences. Oh, no, wait, sorry. That's exactly what the NIV can do. Um, uh, okay, so the NIV has a separate sentence, which is cheating. The NRSV um, uh, has puts it in dashes again. So again, there seems to be... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, what, what? Where's the manifested? Does anything get manifested in the CEV? No, appeared. The one who gives life appeared. We just get the one appearance verb. Okay. 
All right, so we got we got we get we get one manifesting. That's good. Um, the word of life appeared right before our eyes. Yeah. Okay, that's all we get. Um, okay. Anyway, I think he signals it pretty clearly um, that this is parenthetical. Notice how he starts and finishes it. Right. So let's go. Petty. Uh, the logo. Tes zoes. Okay. And we got our Kai again. And the life was made manifest. And we have seen and bear witness. And we proclaim to you the life eternal, which was with the Father and was revealed to us. Um, interesting. Our interlinear translation. Does anybody know what the, where does the orange come from? Is this like a, a is he using, are they using here like a, an established translation? Are they doing their own word for word translating? Anyway, um, you see, but look at the Greek. So the NRSV, the NASB has the same word, manifested, manifested. And the King James does it too. For the life was manifested and was manifested unto us. Um, and when we look at the Greek, not the interlinear translation of the Greek, but the actual Greek, we see the same exact Greek verb, right? Was made manifest. Aphanorothe, right? Yes, aphanorothe. Aphanorothe. Um, so the life was aphanorothe up at the top. And then at the bottom, it's aphanorothe. Again, it's exactly not only the same verb, but the same exact form of the verb, right? Even same, same, same person, same tense, everything, right? Ephonorothe. Um, uh, um, and uh, I have, as you may have seen when I've been whipping past our word list here, I've added this word, ephonorothe, um, manifested to our word list. I, this is going to be one worth the fact that we get it repeated like that in one verse already is kind of a hint. Um, this is going to come up again, manifested. Um, um, okay. But he uses this verb to frame this whole parenthetical thing. Um, and I think that's a pretty interesting cue. Remember, this is a, always a really, really hard thing. I, struggle with this in teaching medieval literature. And I know that classicists struggle with this even more. And that is trying to get modern readers, trying even as a modern reader yourself, to forget about the modern aids to the comprehension uh, that um, uh, modern English readers are used to. Um, things like punctuation and line breaks and even spaces between words. Um, these, th these things um, are, uh, many ancient manuscripts don't know them at all. Um, they were invented, things like uh, punctuation were standardized, not invented. There are, it's not that there are no punctuation marks ever in any older manuscripts, um, but what we sort of, assume and take it's usually it's editorial um the as you can see the different translators and 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 editors here are doing the punctuation quite differently well like the niv making this all into separate sentences right um but uh but even when you're doing this the punctuation 
uh, is not going to be in the original in the same form, um, and certainly not with the same consistency. Um, and as I say, this is true, like often there's no gaps between words, exactly as Praise is saying. Um, imagine writing, um, imagine just typing an essay, uh, not only in all caps, but uh, in all caps with no spaces between the words, right? So you've got no space bar. Uh, you've got no space bar in all caps and you just, you just go, you just say what you're saying, right? Um, that's how a lot of old manuscripts look. Um, that's how, so these languages and the usage of these languages are intended to be written and read that way. Um, so therefore, this is why I think syntactical cues are really important um, and why I'm really interested in things like how this is, how these things are being presented. Um, as we've seen, the structure of this sentence is already really complicated and we've still not gotten a subject or verb, right? We're this far in and we still have no idea. Um, even with all of the help of spaces between words and punctuation, um, we still have no idea what, uh, the subject of this sentence is, right? Um, it's very complicated, structurally, this sentence. And now he's going to go and do a whole parenthetical thing. Oh, and by the way, right? Um, oh, let me tell you this about that word of life stuff, right? And then I'll go back to my main idea, which I hadn't even gotten to yet, right? Um, it's, it's a massively complicated sentence. So I, my own theory is that it's one of the reasons he repeats, I, I don't think it's the only reason he repeats the verb, but I think it's one reason that he repeats the verb. Um, uh, there's a sense in which it seems to me that the, uh, the manifested at the beginning and the manifested at the end are kind of like an open and closed parenthesis, right? Um, and, and not only does it signal open and close, but it also tells you the focus, right? Here's a parenthesis about manifestation, right? Um, and we get the manifestation parenthesis. Um, anyway, that's not, that might not be true. That's my own theory. Um, but um, uh, but I certainly, in any case, agree that this stuff is, in fact, all parenthetical. And what's it parenthetical about? Um, what is the parenthesis on? And we get that. Um, yeah, good. Randall says, I've seen that uh, done in other places too. And now getting back to my original thought, let me repeat the verb. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yes, um, but what, what, what's this about? So if, uh, if John had had the benefit of a printing press, right? Um, maybe he would have put this parenthetical thought in a footnote, right? Or a marginal note or an end note or something, right? Um, that would be one way in which a modern writer might do a similar type of thing, right? So here's my question. If this were a footnote, what word would have the little number next to it, right? Like, what is, the, what is, what is this a footnote about? And I think he makes that explicit, right? The footnote is about life, right? He repeats the noun. And I think that's why he repeats the noun. Um, uh, right, concerning the word of life. Kai hezoi, right? And the life was made manifest. And the life was made manifest. And 
so all of those those next things and the life was made manifest and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life back to the zoe again right um the life was manifested and all of these things uh are also about the life right which was with the father namely the life was with the father and was manifested to us, which concludes the parenthesis, because <laughs> I already told you it was manifested, right? He's repeating the same thing. Um, yeah, so, so this is clearly about the life. And this was another thing that surprised me when I was reading this carefully, because as soon as I saw what was from the beginning, I'm like, the word. I mean, I was all in, I was all in, first John, I was for, I was all in John 1 mode, right, from the beginning. I totally expected the whole sentence to be about the word and the word is there. Like there it is, right. The word of life. Um, but he doesn't say, and the word was manifested. And that's what I expected. Him to say. That's what it says in first in John one, right. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I was, I totally thought this was going to be a, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us parenthesis. Right. But that isn't what it is. It's a, the life was manifested. Parenthesis. Right. I was, I, was, I was initially surprised by the word of life thing, right? That he was, that he was emphasizing not just word, um, but word of life. But he more than doubles down on that. It's the life that he is going on to emphasizing. So we learn a lot more about Zoe here. And of course, Zoe uh, was the second thing I put on the word, our vocabulary list, uh, because it's clear that that's going to be important. And he makes that very explicit here in the second verse, right? All about the Zoe. What is the Zoe? What is that life um, uh, the, of the word of life? The life was manifested. Now, hang on. Um, Matthew, yeah, thank you. Uh, Matthew, I've made this manifested copy from uh, comment from last week. Um, right, the Greek word means has been revealed. Um, and is connected with the concept of light or shine. Um, okay, interesting, interesting. So it makes an interesting parallel to let there be light. Yeah, um, ephanerothe, ephanerothe, stress on the second syllable. Okay, um, interesting, ephanerothe. Uh, great, has been revealed, has been revealed. Um, in other words... Thinking about thinking about touching with our hands, um, the emphasis on manifested, the double anif- emphasis on manifested, with ephanaroth um, uh, is oh sorry the caps aren't stress I see I'm sorry so say so you're messing me up here Matthew I'm struggling with the pronunciation as it is I know nothing about pronun okay. I know very little about pronoun. I know my alphabet, uh, though I still make mistakes. Um, um, yeah, if so, which just does have the syllable then. <laughs> you messed me up. Now one messed me up. Um, but um, anyway, uh, um, I'm, I'm, my, my, my first temptation was to understand the life was manifested to be talking about um, it is Roth. Good. So I kind of guessed it right the other way. Okay. Rolf. Great. Um, okay. 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 
I was tempted to read manifest in terms of emphasizing the word made flesh. Again, like I was in, I was in John one mode. Right. And so I was expecting a buildup to, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Right. Not that I expected the same verse. Right. But I thought that was where we were. Right. This is one of the reasons you have to be careful about like making connections backwards and stuff. Um, so I was, my initial thought had been that manifested was more about made flesh. Right. Um, and in some, in an indirect sense, I think it is, but it's not the fleshiness of the word or of the life of course here that he's, that he's emphasizing. It's the manifest, it's the made visible, made apparent. Right. Um, uh, how was the, what was the, has been revealed. Yeah. Has been revealed, has been revealed. Um, the life was manifested. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you. Um, we get the you. We'll come back to the you because we, 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 were looking, we were in search of a you last time, right? In verse one. But I don't, I don't want to start there. I want to start with manifesting. Here's one thing that really strikes me there. The life was manifested. Um, is that, um, what's the, it's passive. Okay. The, vo- the, ver- the verb is passive. That's what I thought. Um, okay. The life was manifested. Notice the shift from our causes in verse one. What are our causes in verse one all about? What we were doing, right? We heard, we saw, we gazed upon, we handled right? Those are the four verbs and they're all active, right? Yeah. All active verbs. Think, well, there's a middle voice, which I don't understand at all, not knowing Greek. But anyway, um, we're talking about the things that we're doing, right? Whoever the we is, the things that the we are doing in that first verse. And now we shift to passive. The life was manifested. And it's not only the shift, (laughs) <laughs> Matthew says no one understands the middle voice. Well, that makes me feel better. Um, <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, anyway, the point is, um, sorry, for those of you who don't know, um, there's active and passive, which we get in English, right? Either the subject is doing, the, you know, it's like the difference between the dog bit the man and the man was bitten by the dog, right? The first is active. The second is passive. Um, Greek has another voice, which is in the middle like neither active nor passive, but like somewhere in between. And not, I just, I have no conceptual category for that. I don't understand it at all. I'm in the faintest contemplation. Um, but um, uh, anyway, okay. So I'm not going to worry about that right now. What I am focused on though, is the real, cause it's not just about the voice of the verb. It's about the verb itself, right? Manifested, revealed. We were talking at first about what we did, the we, right? heard, saw, like it's about the spectator's side of that encounter. In verse two, it shifts around to the other side of the encounter, right? If we go back to, and Tom, I'm still thinking about that stage uh, uh, comparison that you were making with that one verb, right? And so I was, and I was talking about actors and stuff before. So I'm still kind of thinking about that. Um, It's like the first verse is talking from the audience perspective, right? But the second verse switches around and now we're backstage. Right. 
what was happening on the stage that was being heard and seen and looked at and even handled, right? Crossing that uncomfortable barrier uh, or line. The life was manifested. The life was revealed. It was because it was revealed. The manifestation, the revelation is what enables, like that's the only reason you heard, saw, gazed upon or touched anything in the first place, right? Um, is because that life was revealed. And what happens immediately, um, immediately we get a, um, another series, right? The life was manifest, the life was revealed. So here's what I guess God was doing, right? That led to all that seeing and looking upon and hearing and touching. Um, and we have seen and bear witness and we proclaim. So notice those are not clauses. He's doing a parallel thing again, but this is just compound verbs, right? Notice in the Greek here, chi is and, right? That's the conjunction. And verb, and verb, and verb, right? So no, no, no phrases, no supporting things, no looked upon with our eyes, right? No, so you don't get in none of the prepositional phrases like that, no handled with our hands, right? None of that, um, just verbs. The life was made manifest and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim. And they're all first person plural. Yes, they are all first, but still the we who's doing all these things. Still first, first, first three first person plural verbs. Um, the manifestation, the manifesting, the revelation is clearly the thing that causes the seeing, the bearing witness the, and the proclaiming, right? Let's look at these verbs here. So we've got... Um, Seen, is this the same scene? Hey, Arakaman, I, I recognize that one. Do, do I recognize that one? Yes. Okay, seen with the eyes, same verb. Okay, so we're, we're seeing with the eyes. That's not the gazing upon verb. That's the seeing with our eyes verb, right? From, from verse one. Okay, um, so a direct callback to those things, right? Again, emphasizing this, the manifestation, the revelation is the thing that caused all that sensory stuff, right? Um, Okay, so we have seen, martyr, oh, well, that's a significant word, bear witness, right? I know this is where the word martyr comes from, um, because martyrs, so this isn't a word about dying or being killed. This is a verb about testifying, right? Which is what the martyrdom of the martyrs was doing in, in the first place and why I called it that, right? Um, uh, okay, so bearing witness. Now, uh, and proclaiming upon, upon gentlemen, soft G, upon gentlemen. I don't know how to do the GG. Um, okay. It is a legal word for test to hard G. Okay. Um, upon, upon gentlemen. Okay. Sorry. So GG, gamma, gamma. There equals ng, but it's a hard g. Okay, got it. I'm learning so much Greek. This is so much fun. Thank you guys. Okay, um, uh, a pung a pungaleman, a pungaleman. Great. All right. So this, I, I was going to ask that 
um, but you've already answered it, Aiden. Appreciate that, uh, Marturumen. Um, this this verb, it's like a it's a it's a it's a legal word, right? It's like what you do in the box, uh, in the witness box, right? In court, is you bear witness, you testify. So that's a that's a, a kind of a, a technical sort of word, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, these are the three things that we first person plural do in response to the manifestation. The life was made manifest and we have seen and bear witness. Ooh, but notice the shift. There's a shift in tense. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Perfect tense. So past have seen it's done. We did it. The seeing has been accomplished in the past, right? But the bearing witness and the proclaiming are happening in the present tense. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Wait, which are imperfect? Who's imperfect? Which is imperfect? This, okay. My little cheat notes here tell me it's present. And that this one is, in, no, perfect. This one says perfect. Um, anyway, I'm not going to lean on that gap too hard. But let's see, what, what do our translations do? We have seen and testify and proclaim, and ASB does it. King James was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you. Yep, yep, I love show uh, there. By the way, S-H-E-W, when you're reading an old book, S-H-E-W is pronounced show. It's not shoe. It looks like shoe, but it just isn't. Um, okay, we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim, yep. So the NIV does it too, the tense shift. We have seen it and testify to it and declare unto you, so to the NRSV. Um, hey, look, the CEV really lands on it. We saw it happen. We are witnesses to what we have seen. I'm trying to figure out, are we even in verse? I guess we're in verse two there. Saw it happen, our witnesses, and we are telling you. Okay, see, so that goes a step further. Um make the present progressive. In other words, the CEV is interpreting John as describing what he is currently doing, right? Which I probably, I'm sure he is. Uh, I'm sure that's one sense of it. Um, we saw it happen and now we're telling you, yeah, everybody agrees. Everybody agrees on that. Um, so that's really interesting. Okay. Um, we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life. Um, this is still not the subject of the sentence, right? This is this is an aside. This is a this is a this is a parenthesis, right? Um, we proclaim to you. The life. Huh. Ten zoen ten ionion. Ionion. Um, the life, the eternal. Ionion seems to agree with life, so that certainly seems to be an adjective. It's a standard way adjectives work in Greek. They do that. So you just like, you, you carry on the, you carry on the 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 article like that? Huh. 
That's fun. Okay. Optionally. Cool. Okay. So, so what, what's the point of it? The point of it is to like, make it super clear that that adjective, like, I mean, cause you, you kind of need to leave breadcrumbs sometimes. Right. Is that technique, the repetition of the article, is that like a, um, make no mistake about the fact that this adjective modifies this noun. Is that, is that kind of what's, what's, what's going on there? Um, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe. Okay. Um, the life eternal. That's what's being, that's what we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the life eternal. And that's accusative, right? Life accusative, right? I think so. Yes, it is. Accusative meaning a direct object, right? Um, this is definitely the thing that is being seen, that has been seen and is being borne witness to and is being proclaimed, right, is the life, the Zoe. So the Zoe, um, this is all about the Zoe. This is a footnote to Zoe, right? What about the Zoe? It was, manif- it was made manifest. It was revealed. And we have seen and bear witness and testify to y- it to you, right? To you, that's got to be dative, right? Oh, yeah, totally dative, right? Indirect object, essentially, right? We are proclaiming the life to you, right? Okay, what does that mean? What does it mean? What do you think it means? Proclaim the life to you. Bear witness. I'm going to bear witness. I'm going to testify the life to you. Now, the to you probably is proclaim and not bear witness, in which case the structure gets complicated, right? Because we have seen the life. Notice how he's complicating things with his series again, right? His parallel series. In this case, it's a very simple series of just three parallel verbs. The life was manifested and three things happened. Seeing, bearing witness, and proclaiming, right? And what are they all about? The life again, right? First it's revealed and then this stuff happens. But it happens, there's a, it's weird. Do you see what I mean by, <laughs> it's weird. That's so revealing, right? But do you, see, do you see the weirdness that I'm pointing to? It's already weird to have a series of three compound verbs, one of which is past and the other two are present, right? Like you're already weird when you're doing that. Like if you ever catch yourself doing that, look in the mirror, you're weird, right? Uh, and like, it's, it's obviously weird is cool, but, um, but it's weird. Um, and, but what's more is that all of these things, um, these words work differently. Let me explain what I mean by that. Think about how in English we have different prepositional phrases that go with different verbs, right? Um, So you're going to, um, like when you, 
there's some words that like inescapably um, get a preposition in English, right? Um, uh, I keep coming up with examples that have multiple ones, but um, uh, like put down, give up, um, look for, right? Um, but none of those are examples. There are examples, and I can't come up with any on the moment, where like you never use a verb without its relevant preposition. Like if you just, if you didn't use it, it would just be like weird and wrong and confusing. Um, some of them you need to specify because there are different senses of the word. I mean, it's different. Uh, uh, it's like look at and look for, right? If you're looking at something and you're looking for something, you're talking about a completely different action concept, right? Um, if you give something or if you give up something, it's quite different, right? Important distinction between those two. Um, if you put something or you put something down, you're saying something different about it. Um, buck up, suggests Aiden. I like that example. Buck up. One doesn't generally buck unless, you know, one is on hands and knees with a child on one's back. One doesn't buck. And if one is, by the way, one should not buck very hard, pro tip. But um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, buck up is a good example. Um, apart from the pediatric context, um, that there, there's no sense of the word buck, uh, you using it about yourself, right? Or t- telling, so you don't tell somebody to buck, right? But you could tell somebody to buck up. You can buck a trend. That's true. That's true. You can buck a trend. But that's used metaphorically right? You're bucking a trend in the same way. I mean, you're, that's using a horse bucking metaphor, isn't it? Isn't language fun? But anyway, um, uh, the, the point is, look at these three verbs. Take them each separately and connect them with life, right? We have seen the life. Direct object, direct object. And it would not take an indirect object. You can't, you can't see something to somebody else, right? There wouldn't be an indirect object. It just takes a direct object and nothing, and, and not an indirect object, right? We have seen the life, period. Second one, bear witness, testify. You don't testify the life. Testify can't take a direct object. In English, it's an intransitive verb. In English, you can testify to something. You can testify about something. But it doesn't take a direct object, right? Proclaim. Proclaim does take a direct object and an indirect object. You can proclaim a thing to somebody, right? So it can have both... Um, uh, both direct and indirect objects. Um, hmm. Marta Roman, that du- can, that, can that take a direct object? Hmm. How many, is that you've, is that word used in the sense not only of bearing witness, but also of, uh, like of testifying, 
but witnessing, like I witnessed that. Like, um, you know, if somebody's saying, hey, did you see that accident? Did you witness that? Would they use this verb? Or would you only use this verb about the thing that you do? Like if you say, I, I got to go, I got to go testify about that accident I saw. Doesn't matter all that much. I'm coming back to weird though. What I think we've already seen in verse one, back to my observation, uh, you know, originally about the, um, the weirdness, about the um, riddle-like quality, right? How John is, he's not trying to express something with optimal clarity and precision. What he's doing is combining these ideas and asking us to think about them on multiple levels at the same time, like poetry. Um, and I get the feeling that we're doing that again. In fact, I'm only two verses in and I'm already every single time I see John making this kind of a parallel structure, whether he's doing it with noun clauses or with verbs, I'm going to be suspicious, right? I don't think this is a straightforward thing. I think that he's once again, inviting us to think of this, not necessarily as a progression, um, but it is kind of a progression, isn't it? Come to think of it. In fact, it's even oriented in time. We saw, we bear witness, we proclaim. Um, and that each one of those three things the thing I was groping for before, hey, I could use that other Greek verb for, the handled verb. The thing I was groping, no, that's when you grope something, when you grope for something. See, there's a difference. Anyway, um, the thing I was groping for before was that all three of those things seem to suggest to me a different relationship with the life. There's, they're all related to the life. They're not related to the life in the same way. It's not like there's us in the life. And we do this list of three things, right? It's not like that. We have seen the life. We bear witness. We have witnessed that we can testify to the life. And we proclaim the life. None of those three things are identical. It's not just repeating himself. Um, he's not just giving a list. He's describing three quite different things. One, what happened? We've, we've seen it. We've seen it. Like that, that, that I can remember the verb he used that before was not the gaze upon verb. It was just like we've seen it with our eyes. Like this has come into our field of vision, right? This, um, the life was revealed and it came into our field of vision. And we, we bear witness. We can validate it. We can testify in support of it. And we proclaim the life to you. Um, and I think that all three of those things seem to me really essential. Really essential. What is his relation with, the, again, if, if the parentheses turns, thing around, turns things around and shows what God is doing, right? Not just what we did, right? 
hearing and seeing and gazing upon, but what God is doing, making manifest, revealing Zoe, the life. And then he immediately comes back to our response and we get this threefold response. And there are then the two other things that he adds to it. He doesn't just repeat the life. We get two things. One, to you. We get the you, finally. Still not ready to talk about the you. But we get eternal. Let's talk about eternal first and you second. The life eternal. He gives it an adjective. Eternal life. The eternal life. We have seen and bear witness and we proclaim the eternal life. This, I think, is going to be very important in John's epistle. And this was, I found, when I have been studying this book myself, the number one reorientation that I feel that I have had to make is to reorient myself towards the word eternal and the phrase eternal life. I have been want my whole life to think of eternal life as a future thing. We have this life now. Someday we'll have eternal life, right? That is obviously not how John is using this word. Why? Because the eternal life is something that we have seen in the past. We've seen the eternal life. And we can testify. We can bear witness to it. Notice, that's not saying we can affirm that we hope for it. That's not what he's saying at all. We can testify to it like a witness in a court. Yep. I saw it. Not only did I see it, I saw it with sufficient confidence. I know it with sufficient confidence that I would stand up in court and testify to what I have seen. And what's more, I would go a further step and proclaim it to you. The eternal life. And I think that that is super important, super important. And um, if we don't wrap our heads around this at the beginning, we're going to misunderstand, I think, a lot of what John is going to be talking about. Eternal life, the Zoe, that Zoe, which is the Zoe, the Zoe of the Logos, right? The Zoe of the Logos and the Logos of the Zoe. Um, the, that's a, that life is, and they've experienced it. He's, we have experienced it and we proclaim it to you. He says the eternal life. Um, Okay, I'm, I'm still coming back to you. <laughs> I'm procrastinating the you. I keep procrastinating the you. Um, which was with the Father and was revealed to us. Which was with the Father. Um, we've got another noun cause, right? Describing this time the life eternal, right? The life eternal, that which we have seen which we testify to, which we proclaim the life eternal, which was with the father. Um, 
which was with the Father and was revealed to us. Which was with the Father, of course, brings us back to which was from the beginning. Um, again, any, any one of John's audience who had read any of the Bible at all would know which was from the beginning, right? When we're talking about the Arche, we're talking about Genesis 1, we're talking about John 1. Um, uh, even if they didn't have John 1, they'd probably have Genesis 1. Um, so we're thinking about, in the beginning, God, right? Um, and the act of creation. Now, he's not explicitly talking about the beginning here, right? But that seems to me to be wrapped up in this with the way that which was with the father comes back to which was in the beginning, right? With uh, Genesis one as like the intermediary, um, uh, the intermediary connector between those two things. Um, but it's not what he emphasizes, which was with the father and was revealed to us. The life eternal was with the father. I don't know what that means exactly. I don't know how much I need to know exactly what that means yet. Um, and here I want to be careful. It's really tempting to start thinking about like going back, especially to the gospel of John, but even going to other kind of theological constructions that have been made in centuries after the Bible was written. Lots of people have thought about that question. What does with the father mean? Right. Um, and I respectfully want to not look at their answers right now. Instead, again, I want to think about, I want to build our vocabulary internally if we can. Um, and so what I'm going to do is what I usually do when I don't understand something. Well, what I always try to do when I don't understand something and that's put a pin in it, right? Put a pin in it and we'll come back. Right. Let's loop back and think about this in the context of what, how he's going to be talking about the father. Um, uh, and the relationship between the father and the life as we move forward and see if maybe when we come back at the end or even not at the end, if we can understand more clearly exactly what he means when he says that it was with the father. That he's associating eternal life with the father is clear. Right. Um, and again, I'm not going to deny the fact that we have Genesis 1 1 and John 1 1 as things which are clear, as inter these, as I say, an intermediate, intermediary term connecting. You know, that which was from the beginning concerning the word of life and which was with the Father. Right. Those three um, spots in these first two verses all of them do seem to be connected together in that way. So I'm not like trying to be obtuse about that, but I want to see what he means by with the father and was revealed to us. So we get the revelation again, the manifestation again, same word. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So back to the us now because I'm almost out of time and I've been procrastinating it, but I wanted to procrastinate until we got it again, because we got two second persons, right? Proclaiming to you, sorry, it's not a second person. To us, I find interesting, because we've got the back to the, the, the first person plural here, 
is what I meant to say. I wanted to get all the pronouns in before we talked about them. So we've been talking about the we. We talked about the we last week. Who's we? All of these verbs have been first person plural. We have seen, we have heard, we have gazed upon, um, we have handled. The handling is first. Huh. Yeah. Um, our hands. Right. Okay. Anyway. Um, then we've got third person singular. The life was made manifest and we're back to the first person plural. We've seen bear witness, proclaim, right? To you, our second person in the middle. And was revealed to us, first person plural, again. Okay. Um, oh, right, Matthew. Yes, that's what was tripping me up there for a second. The handling is third person plural, they, right? Because it's the hands. Our hands have handled. So that's why, that's why we're in third person plural here. Yeah, I was staring at that for a second. I'm like, wait a second. Okay, no, that's why. Makes sense. Okay. But we do, we get, we, we do get the first person plural in there though, right? The hands of us, yeah, our hands have handles. Got it, right, okay. So we're still in the we, the world of we there. Okay, got it. And then we're seeing and bearing witness and proclaiming. And the revelation is to us. The manifestation at the end is to us. But in the middle, we get the to you, the proclaiming to you. Um, yeah, I, I wonder... I'm wondering, what I'm wondering is this is the first time we get that divide. The we, the we is, are, are those who are proclaiming. Um, yeah, the, the, we, the we is those who are proclaiming and um, the, yeah, sorry, I just accidentally got some background noise there. That we are those who are proclaiming. If he's talking about his writing, if he is including his own writing in that, like by this letter I proclaim to you, then he is speaking in the plural, whether it's personally or whether he's writing on behalf of others, or again, whether he is, as we suggested before, um, kind of sharing the testimony of the apostles as a whole, right? Speaking on behalf of the apostles, proclaiming on their behalf, um, which considering I'm pretty sure they're all dead, except for him, when he's writing this, that would make sense, right? Um, But uh, Yeah. Here's the thing that strikes me as most interesting, though. It's the us at the end. There's a reason I was connecting sloppily in my head, but connecting that final us to the you here. Um, We proclaim to you the life eternal, which was revealed to us. That second us sounds to me like an inclusive us. Um, it, he could just mean we apostles, we, me on behalf of the apostles, we apostles proclaim to you, the audience, what was revealed to us, the apostles, but I'm not sure that that's what that means. That was revealed to us. I've said before, 
I like to read the we all the way through these first two verses as inclusive, meaning us, you and me, reader, you and me. I, the author of this, and you, the readers of this, we are in this together. And I feel most strongly about the us at the end of verse two when it comes to that. Um, but there is the you in the middle of that. Um, we proclaim to you. Um, so let's, let's keep watching. Um, I might be completely wrong. I might be completely wrong. Um, but there are two reasons why I think this. The first reason that I think this is just that I, again, this is me cheating and reading ahead because I think it fits with much of what he's going to be saying in the rest of the letter. Um, but the second reason I think that is that I don't find the other readings, like the other two readings, meaning he's saying we in some kind of vague, like royal we sense in which we said, like, they don't really do that much in Greek. So th- th- I find that pretty unconvincing. Um, uh, so I don't see any reason therefore to think that he's just using by some kind of weird convention. Um, but the, on behalf of the apostles things, I, I, I'm, I'm unconvinced by that. He could be saying that. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced by it. And I'm not convinced by it because again, cheating ahead, he's not going to talk that way. Um, he's not going to, you think about the way Paul sometimes does this, right? Think of the beginning of Galatians, right? When Paul's doing, doing his, like, giving his anecdotes about that time he called Peter down and remember all that stuff there. Um, Paul does that. Paul refers to the apostles, right? Um, And will sometimes speak like, I mean, you know, he'll, he'll kind of address that with them. Um, the other apostles make a kind of a third party in his discussions, not all the time, but sometimes he, he'll talk that way. I don't see John talking that way in this letter, really anywhere else. I don't see him talking that way. Um, uh, so that's why I'm resistant to that reading because it doesn't seem to me to fit doesn't doesn't seem to me to fit at all with the rest of what he says um i don't see him at any point saying there's me and the apostles in this subgroup over here and then there's you over there right um i don't see him saying that to his readers when uh in anywhere anywhere else in the letter so i'm that's why i'm i don't oppose it i don't i don't think it's impossible but i i'm not i i i don't love that reading um, it doesn't seem to me to really fit. Um, now, Sarah, that's a really interesting theory. And good to see you, by the way, Sarah. Um, is this a Jewish Gentile thing? That is another way in which we could be used, right? We Jews and you Gentiles, right? Maybe. I don't know. I'd, I mean, I'm a little bit resistant to that for the same reason. Sarah, because he's not going to be making a big deal about that. He's not going to be drawing that distinction. Not even in a like Ephesians kind of way, like you once were, you know, outside and now you're inside kind of deal, like Paul is doing in Ephesians. Um, uh, He's not even going to bring it up in that kind of a context. Um, I don't. 
there is only one subset that he is going to make. The community that he's talking about between himself and his readers, right? There's only one uh, subdivision he's going to make there. Um, one us and them that he's going to establish um, in that context. And that's going to be the people who aren't in the community anymore. Um, there's the people who have stayed and there's the people who have left. Um, and the people who have left, there are they now, for sure. Right. Um, but he doesn't, certainly doesn't correlate that with like not being a Jew. Um, uh, uh, so anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, so we'll see. We'll see again. We'll put a pin in that too, and we'll come back. And we'll we'll get more use uh, in the uh, in the third verse. So we'll see a little bit more of the patterns there. Um, but anyway, I should go. It's uh, past time. I got to feed my family as usual. Uh, thanks everybody for joining me. We'll we'll third verse. We're like doing pretty steadily uh, uh, a verse uh, a verse a week here so far. So we'll see next week. That mean well, sorry, not next week. Not next week. I'll be away next week. Um, is that true? Yes, that's true. It is true. I'm going away. That's true. true. I confess. I testify that I'm. Uh, it's my son's school vacation, so uh, we're taking him skiing. Uh, we're we're doing a family ski trip, which means because I don't ski, so that means uh, my wife and son are skiing, and I am caddying. Uh, to my wife and son. Um, my wife originally, when we moved back up to New Hampshire and we started skiing together as a family, uh, my wife was like, it's time for you to learn to ski. You need to ski with the family. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm really bad at that. Um, I tried it. wasn't very good. And, um, and then after like the first day when my wife and kids were skiing together and I was not skiing, she saw how like incredibly useful it was to have somebody who could like wait in line to buy hot chocolate and like carry the ski stuff at the bottom of the slope and everything. And she was like, actually, no, it's fine. You don't have to learn to ski. <laughs> so anyway, that's where I'll be next week. Caddying uh, to uh, uh, my uh, son and wife. So um, I won't be here next week, but I should be back the week after that. Yes. The week after that, I should be fine. So thanks everybody. Uh, really enjoyed our discussion today and we will move right along and hey next time in a fortnight we may finish the first sentence uh and that'll be uh, so like after about a week in or a month in rather to the study we'll have done an entire sentence and i think that's pretty good um thanks everybody have a good week and i'll talk to you later bye now thanks again for listening to students of the word now i mentioned at the beginning of today's discussion that i had opened a discussion board on slack for people to join and those of you who are listening asynchronously are very welcome to join in all you need to do is go to the webpage studentsoftheword.org and fill out the contact form at the bottom of the page and just send me a note saying that you would like to be uh, added and i'll send you an invite all right so anyway thanks again for listening and i hope that this week's session was as much of a blessing to you as it was to me <laughs>